Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Genty Show. Broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Genty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Well, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast. My name is Jamie. Welcome in. It's Tuesday, March the twenty first, twenty twenty three. And uh, yes, uh, so um, so I've been doing a lot of research lately, right? I just want to start the show saying, hey, you know, I've been watching a lot of basketball, a lot of it. Uh, that's what I'm going to talk about in the next segment. But first. I want to talk about Zeke Elliott and what my feelings are towards Zeke Elliott because uh I'm still to to this day I know it's been last week that he got released like he got released um I think about 30 minutes after the show ended last week or he was going to be released like like was in that time so I just want to give you my thoughts about the whole situation because you know I still haven't processed it you know I always you know want to keep guys around, but if we can't keep guys around for the better good of this team, then then they shouldn't be on the well, then you gotta make the best decision possible. And so with that being said, um, you know, I'm gonna speak my thoughts, but first I wanna take back in time where me and Gabe, we were here November the first. We did a show, um it was after the Bears game, and I told him I said I would choose Zeke over Pollard. The reason being is because Zeke can give me the extra uh three, four yards that Pollard I mean, it depends on the defense. And on that day, you know, Chicago was playing Chicago was playing uh a four three defense. I I felt like Zeke would, would can get those give me those yards uh long term. Um I didn't know he had injury history at the time. But, you know, he wasn't moving the right way to me or to others that saw him out there. So with that being said, um, so that's, that's a little back in time stuff. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, if he was back on this team, I'll still choose Zeke over Pollard because I feel like Zeke can give me those yards versus Pollard. I, I'm interested to see what this new offense will be in 2023. Uh, what Pollard's role is going to be. Um, you know, if he's, if he's going to get the bigger money, is he going to get the thousand yards that he, that he, that he'll get? But nonetheless, Zeke Elliott. Okay. Seven year career in Dallas, over 8,000 yards and 68 touchdowns. Okay. Um, you know, he was one of the best in, to do it, uh, on this team, even though we didn't, we didn't get far in, in, in the playoffs. And without his presence, I don't know where we'll be. Like, I, I just don't know. And, um, I, I, I figured because, you know, we, we gotta save, we gotta up the cap a little bit. We gotta get players in. We gotta go after the high quality free agents on this team. Like, I want to discuss, um, in a few minutes. So, so with that being said, this was a money cost move, uh, for, for the Cowboys to do. Uh, I think this saves him over $30 million in cap space. 
to say the least. And so, um, with that being said, we, we have, um, we have to, um, invest in running back in the, in the, in the draft. Um, one comes to mind, BJ Robinson. If we can trade up to get him, I think this will accelerate this offense because I think BJ, uh, he's kind of resemblous of a, a Pollard a little bit, but he's more like, he's more like he can get that extra gear going. It's just unfortunate he was at Texas because you can't, you, you, you would not go to the postseason at, it, it, well, you'll go to the bowl game, but you won't get for, you won't go to the college football playoff. Like that, that's everybody's goal every single year. And so, um, so with that being said, let me, but Zeke was, 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 he, he, he changed everything on this team. You know, of course, you know, you're going to go back to the antics that he did early on in his career. It's, it's fine. Even that I support, I supported him throughout because he made a difference in, 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 in everybody's, in every, well, including mine, in everybody's ordeal. Um, it's just unfortunate that, uh, he, Dak lost his best friend on the team. I just feel like Dak should be crying, crying for something else. I feel like he should be crying for the pick size thrown that he, he should be crying for the games that he's lost us. Uh, but not this. Zeke is going to move on, find a new team. Um, you know, who knows? It could be, you know, right now it could be the Bills. The Bills don't have a running back. The Texans, because the Texans just signed the running back, Devin Singletary. Uh, the Bears, maybe the Bengals, uh, the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers make sense because Austin Eckler wants out of LA, which is surprising to me because he did all that work in LA uh, on a, on a good offense. I just don't know why he wants out of LA. Maybe if you implement Zeke in that offense, well, you know, Kellen Moore's offensive the coordinator, then I will see, I, I do see a difference. I think we're going to see a different Zeke in, in the Chargers offense. If he were to say, I want to go play for the Los Angeles Chargers. Granted in mind, someone reminded me he was 27 years old yesterday and the, the average running back age is Right around that age, maybe 28, if a few years back, you used to be dirty. But I feel like, I feel like it's all about the conditioning of that player. If that player says we are, we're, we can go, we're good to go, then we can do that. Um, I don't see what I disagree with. I don't see him like his career. I don't see him ending his career like a Des Bryant type of deal. I feel like Zeke. Still has a, still has a lot left to give. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I feel like he, he'll go to a team that makes sense. A team that says, you know what? We need a running back. I don't know if it's going to be right now or could be in the regular season, but I feel like if a running back goes down, Zeke will be the first name to call. I feel like these teams are going to focus on the draft more to draft a running back and see where they go from there. Um, so, but if he were, if it were to me, would I like, would I have him back on the team? Oh, absolutely. If, if Pollard doesn't get his money next season, and I'm talking about 2024, then I feel like maybe a Zeke reunion may happen. I, you did that, it come from me, but I, I'm just saying, I'm just hypothetical saying 
you know, because I, I feel like he's built for this team. He knows the Cowboys office. He knows the facility. So we just got to see what happens. But nonetheless, Zeke was my guy. I love him to death. And I wish him nothing but the best for him moving forward. And, you know, he the man was saying, I want to take a pay cut. Okay, well, you know, maybe that pay cut was maybe two, three million. A lot lower than what he, what he got uh, four years ago. Four years ago, he got 18 mil on a five-year deal. And so um, you just got to see what happens. Uh, would I like to be – would I like to be in the division? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you got Washington. You got the Giants. Well, the, you don't, the Giants don't need a running back. Definitely the Eagles don't need a running back too, even though they lost Miles Sanders. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel Zeke in a Washington Commanders uniform or a Eagles or Giants uniform. I don't, I don't know. But we just get, you just gotta see what happens. But the Cowboys have made some moves over the last few days. Uh, they resigned Donovan Wilson. They signed Leighton Vanderich. They, uh, signed, resigned Cooper Rush. And they traded for Stephon Gilmore and and Brandon Cooks. Now, Brandon Cooks is very special on this team. I, you know, I didn't advocate for him in, in the trade deadline. However, uh, if a player wants out of a situation where you have no quarterbacks, you got to get him out of there right away. You got to let him go. Like, I don't, I don't know what Houston was thinking at the time. You, you don't have any, you're drafting a quarterback in the first, it was your first pick. Well, actually, the second pick because the Bears had the first pick. But you're drafting a quarterback. You don't have a quarterback to throw to. That's what Brandon Cooks was saying. Like he 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 saw he saw from a mile away. It's actually unfortunate that the GM didn't see see at the trade deadline, or else teams will be coming in and and cashing in and saying, "Hey, we need your um, we need your third round, we need your fourth round pick," you know, stuff like that. So with that being said, we you know. We could have traded for him earlier, of course, fine, fine. But, you know, at the same time, you got to take the risk, you know. And when, when my voices were heard in the offseason, everybody was making moves left and right last week. That's when the Cowboys started to make their moves the second or third day. It doesn't look, it doesn't look nice, but it looks great. It looks, it is what it is. They're going to do what the Cowboys are made to do is to wait till, till public pressure hits to get these players to come in and invest in their team in hopes of winning a championship. Who knows? But, you know, but I, I, I like the addition of Brandon Cooks. I think he's going to fit well with Dak, uh, and the offense. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't focus on a, in, on this podcast, we don't, I don't focus on a player's age. I feel like if a player can get up, get to his workouts, get, do his regime on a daily basis, I feel like he can still play the game. That's in any sport. Like you, like LeBron is 38 years old. LeBron doesn't get up in the morning and complains of aches and pains. LeBron gets up and says, hey, it's a new day. I'm ready to play basketball. Right now he's hurt. And they're saying he may come back. But I don't know. I don't know because um, – because, uh, well, I'll explain that, that point in, in a second. 
But back to Brandon Cooks. I feel like he's going to be on this team. He's going to be complimentary to Dak. Um, you know, this is this is going to be a different offense. Uh, I'm interested to see what what type of playbook they're going to be running. Um, I feel like what I feel like Dak is he has to, if not improve his accuracy. Um, I hope he's working on it right now because this is a great time right now to work on it. Like you have the Cowboys are making moves in the front office to help you out. I think it's time for you to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to improve this right now instead of wait to the, uh, to the regular season to fix it. You don't do that. You don't wait to the regular season to fix it. You do it now so that, so that when a training camp hits, then a, is on point. Even minicamp. Minicamp starts in May. Maybe you help the rookies out or help the players that did not get drafted that they're going to bring in to complement their team. That could be have a chance to get on this team. I'm sorry. But uh, you got to take the initiative right now. Right now is the best time to work on your accuracy. Right now is the best to get healthy uh, to do all of these intangible to say, you know what? I'm going to be ready by training camp and we're going to get this ball running. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to take your personal, personal, personal life away. You know, I'm not saying I'm not, you have to work on, you have to focus, work on your game and work on your accuracy. That's it. That's all we're, that's all. Real, real Cowboys fans are asking for real. Now remember, I wasn't the guy that burned your jersey. In fact, I don't even have your jersey. And when I do get your jersey, I'm not going to burn it, Dak. I'm not even going to throw it away. I'm just going to keep it. I'll keep it for safekeeping. Cause that's memorable. We'll never see another player like that. And of course my generation. But you got your contract restructured, uh, Zach Martin too. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do in the draft now that you got uh, Brandon Cooks. And I told someone this, I think they're still going to be in the market for a receiver. I still think that. And they say, why do you think that, Jamie? Uh, they didn't say that to me. I'm just saying it to myself. I feel because I feel like this, this, this draft is receiver he- heavy. I feel like. Um, the kid at Ohio State, Jackson Smith Namanga. Yeah, I'm saying that right. Uh, I feel like he's going to be complimentary to this team. Um, I question his health. Um, but other than that, he's got a great deep game, deep route game. Um, he can, you know, um, come in on the slot. Uh, so it's just unfortunate that he played five games, but I feel like he's, he's ready to play. Um, do I think the Cowboys are going to draft a receiver? Who knows? Who knows now? I feel like the Cowboys are still making moves as we speak to celebrate their team. I think every day they're in the office saying, hey, we need to address this position. We need to draft. What can we trade for this position? It's all about taking the risk. You take the risk, you're nowhere in life. You're going to be like those low-level teams that do not take the risk, that have to end up playing younger players at the end of the season. That's what they call tanking. They call it tanking. 
and I don't like that. I am, I am a big advocate of, uh, of, uh, of not giving up. I hate it. I hate it. I just hate it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with these teams trying to get bigger tank for bigger draft picks to help their team. Cause you don't know if that player is going to help you in the long run. You just don't know it. And that, and the Cowboys are not, are not, they're built for the long run. That's why they're, they're risking their, uh, they risk their fourth round. No, I'm sorry. They risk their fifth round. They risk their fourth round for next year to get this player, to get Brandon Cooks. That's, that's them saying we want to win now. We don't want to go into the future and have to draft a quarterback. We want to win now. We don't, like I told y'all last week, I said, if they're not doing anything, you sell the team. But Jerry says we're not done yet. We're not selling the team. He didn't say that. I'm saying that because if you're not fixing it, then what the hell? You know, what are we doing here? Everybody at national media has your everything on you. 24 seven. We want to know what this teams are going to do. We don't want, we don't care what the Chiefs do. We don't care what the Dolphins do. We definitely don't care what the, the Eagles do. But I feel like, I, I feel like we have a brand and Jerry is saying, is pitching out that brand. We can, we can give credit to Jerry for that. But when it comes time to make moves, they're making moves right now. Now it's not going to solidify anything unless you address the other positions. But at the same time, we have to be happy where we're at. Well, I mean, it doesn't look great, like I said, but I'm happy. I'm happy that there we got a cornerback, we got a right receiver. Now we got to address the running back position. I feel like. We cannot bring a running back off the street. I feel like we woke, we woke, we focus on the draft a little bit. This is a running back heavy draft. We got, you know, they, they talked about one other running back in mind. I don't, I haven't seen that running back. I know where he's played, where he, where he, where he go to school at, but I don't know that running back in mind. I just know B. John. I know B. John because I feel like he's ready. He's NFL ready. I feel like if he went to another school, he'll be relevant in another school. His his stock will be a little higher than than where he's at right now, if it makes sense. And I'm not saying Texas is a bad school. I'm not saying that at all. Texas is a great school. I have siblings that went to Texas, so I'm not going to disrespect them. Well, actually, I could, but... But then again, I said, you know what? I have siblings that went to Texas and they support the school still to this day. And, um, I only disrespect them by going to the SEC. That's my, if you have not listened to that podcast, I did that podcast about right around July of last year. So, uh, if you haven't listened, it, listen, I, I will post it and y'all will listen. Well, <laughs> I can't force y'all to listen, but if you want to listen to my takes about the SEC, about Texas, Texas and OU going to SEC, that's on a different podcast that I did in July of last year. But that will be posted. I will tell everyone about it, and y'all go let me know what you think. But to this day, I still don't don't agree with them going to the SEC. 
I don't know. I just don't. But nonetheless, um, it is what it is. But in the draft, I feel like if you're going for a running back, I feel like when you go for a running back, I think you should draft higher. I think you should move up. Don't you think you should move up, Cowboys fan? Don't you think you want to want that uh, running back? I mean, the right receiver will be there. I mean, if you don't draft Jackson or uh, the, the kid in Tennessee, Jalen, uh, I can't remember his name, last name, but, um, but yeah, you know, stuff like that. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they move up, if they move up to 20, move up to like 13 something, man, you might have to give up a player or two, or you might have to give up your assets. Oh, well, your draft picks for next future drafts. To make that happen, but I would I wouldn't mind moving up to draft who you need to draft who you want. The Cowboys are saying we want to win now. We 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 came second in the East last year, and we want to win now. We we like like the Eagles are going to be the Eagles. I mean, they I mean, I don't. We don't know if they're going to struggle or not. I mean, the 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 season's not. The se- the season is built in the off season, and I feel like the 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 Cowboys are a step ahead of e- the Eagles right now. In the off season, take regular season is different. This past regular season, it was completely different. The Eagles went to the Super Bowl. The Cowboys lost in the in in the, um, in the divisional playoff and the divisional round. Now, my goal is our goal as real Cowboys fans, is we got to get past that round. It's the championship game. So these type of moves that you're making right now may get us over the hump. It just takes Dak to invest in his craft. It takes Pollard to invest in his craft. It takes, uh, I'm not worried about CD. I'm not worried about Gallup. It takes them to invest in a tight end. Maybe that's another position. We lost Dalton Schultz to the Texans. I'm not mad at that because Dalton Schultz didn't care about being on this team. Dalton Schultz wanted to go go to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Who's throwing you the football, guys? That's why Brandon Cook says, I want out in October. He's been preaching that for years. Well, actually for months that he wanted out of Houston. We don't have a quarterback. We are not built to win. The, the NFL is a quarterback-led league. We have to win. That's why Brandon Cooks is on this team. That's why Dalton Schultz wants to go to Houston with no quarterback in mind. Where's the quarterback, Dalton? You got to eventually draft, draft either... Uh, the Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young, or C.J. Stroud. That's who they're going after right now. But you go there and with, with anticipation of, of drafting those two. You may you never know those guys are ready yet. Those quarterbacks that they played last, last season, Davis Webb and, um, and um, I forgot the other one's name. Uh, they were they're not ready for in the moment. They are not ready at all. These guys that, that you may get, they may be ready. Well, you go there. Why? I don't know. You are not investing in this team. You failed. Now we focus on Peyton, Peyton Hendershock and Sean McEwen. 
Now or those are our tight ends. And Jake Ferguson, too. Those are our tight ends. Would I like to draft a tight end in the first round? I wait to the second or third round to draft a tight end. That that's just me. I'm sorry. I I, I want to focus on athletic tight ends, and those guys are athletic. I I compare. I want Patrick Hendershaw to compare to Travis Kelsey of the worlds because he has that upside. He does not. That's why he's in Houston. That's why. Are you going to win in Houston? Like I love their, I love the hiring of the coach, but are you going to win in Houston? That's the problem I have with these guys that go to worst to to bad teams. Are you going to win in the in these bad areas? That's my question. We just got to see to find out. Now we still have a bunch of free agents, though I don't have them listed here. But we still have a bunch of free agents that we need to sign or, you know, or they're going to sign on other teams. But that was number, that was the one thing that was on my mind is the frustration. Uh, well, not actually, I'm not frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed because you undersell your value, Dalton. You went to, a team that was that only had two wins last year. Two. You could have gone to any other contender. And I say, you know what? I'm fine with that. But you undersell soldier value by going to a team that we, we that we have no care about. But they're here in Texas though. We care about the Cowboys. I think I think Houston, Houston care about the Cowboys too. Well, half Houston, half Dallas. So I would say good luck. Well, actually, I'm going to say good luck. Good luck to you. Hopefully, um, hopefully there's a championship in Houston. <laughs> hopefully not. But uh, let's move on. So uh, if there's any Cowboys breaking news or that we need to address. Uh, Either was in the next few days or even before the show, then uh, we will address it. But let's talk about the NBA for a second. Uh, I want to talk about this John Morant situation, guys. John Morant's coming back tomorrow night. I think they're playing against Houston. Why? Why do I have Houston in my mind? I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know who they're playing. I, maybe I'll get that after the break. But they played against Dallas last night and he was on the bench doing his thing and, um, you know, um, you know, being himself on the sideline instead about the game. Now, over the last 10 days, the Memphis has, has beaten up on Dallas three times, including last night. So, I told y'all that Dallas is not making the postseason, and I'm still going to stand by that, no matter what the position it is right now. The reason being this team will not make the postseason is because of their defense. They are not committed to the defensive end. How do you blow a 13-point fourth-quarter lead? Anytime you blow a lead like that, I have questions for you. I have questions of why. Just, just, just why? 
and this is why it, it pisses me off, Jason Kidd as a coach, to hold these guys accountable, to hold yourself accountable, to say, you know what, I, I'm screwing up this team. You know what, I'm not addressing this on the defensive end. The defense will get you further in the postseason, Mr. Kidd. Dallas Mavericks. You guys don't care about defense. You care about who's playing, playing every other game. You care, you care about Kyrie playing every other game. When he took the games off last week, it didn't surprise me at all. This is a crucial time to play the games. Period. Very crucial. If you don't care about it, then you shouldn't be on this on the basketball court. Luca, Luca, I, I can give pass to because he's hurt. He's hurt. He's waiting to get the clearance to come back. But then again, Dallas will be in the same predicament that uh, even even worse than they are right now. They have shown no momentum on this team. None. Every every game this season I I know of has been close, has been down the wire. They can never put a team away. That starts on the defensive end. If you get down, communicate on defense, you're able to blow teams out. But you don't have that. You don't have anybody on that team as well as to take accountability for their play, including last night. Last night was a, was a, 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 not only a disappointment, it was just embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch. You can't tell me you gave up uh, that, that team, the Memphis Grizzlies, who was all over the place, a, 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 a win like that. Even when Dalton, Dylan Brooks is, it will be suspended. Was his antics. When would that man just play basketball? 18, I saw that, I saw that stat last, like 18 tentacles. What is wrong with y'all? Is it the brand? Is it Dylan Brooks himself? I don't know what this is, but I don't know why Dallas went there and laid an egg last night. Like, it, it, it just, it, it, it just, I have no hope. I have no faith that this team will make the postseason. And I said that before. The defense in right there. And Paul Gasol said this last week. He says he doesn't watch the games anymore because there's no defense. He's right. He's absolutely right. You saw, you seen the scores get up to 140, 130s, 140s. Every week we're like that. And every week we're celebrating 140 plus that, that a team scores. The reason being, no defense. None. And when is the team going to play defense? Never. The Grizzlies? I mean, the Grizzlies play a little bit of defense, but there's no way in hell you lose that you win, the Grizzlies should have won that game last night. No way. You were up by 13 in the fourth quarter. In the fourth, it started the fourth quarter. You know what it is? Jason Kidd did not use his timeouts properly. And I have an issue with teams who do not use their timeouts properly. 
in the college game that I watched all weekend long. These teams do not win, know how to use their timeouts properly at the right moments. When Memphis was going on their run, when the crowd was back in the game, you call a timeout. Timeout. I don't care if you have three left with seven minutes to go. You call a timeout to, to calm everything down, to run a play. When, te- when teams like that call a timeout, I saw it happen twice. Perfection. The Mavericks don't know that. They don't know that at all. And this team will never make the postseason. This season. Because of that. It's not about player personnel. It's not about who you, who you can play, put on this team. It's about five guys committing on the defensive end. Communicating on pick and rolls. Putting a, a solid defender on the hot hand. That's a Reggie Bullock. Tim Hardaway's not going to guard anybody. He's a shooter. Kyrie's definitely not going to guard anyone. Magic Kleber, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Magic Kleber, Magic Kleber guards everybody one, one through five. Dwight Powell won't guard a soul. Luca, when he comes back, won't guard a soul. But yet, he's talking to the officials most of the time. He's one, by the way, he's one tech away from getting suspended. And you don't want to get suspended at this crucial time, like a Dylan Brooks did. He's suspended for the next game. At a crucial time, when your team needs you, you do stupid crap like that. Dancing after a score. Of course you're going to get attacked for that. Because they don't, the the NBA does not like intimidation. Especially when it's harsh like that. We don't like intimidation. Just play basketball. When you score, yell it towards the crowd. Dance in front of the crowd if you want to want to be a jackass. Like, dude, what are you doing? I'm talking about the Mavericks, man. I'm not a Mavericks fan. In fact, true story, they blocked, they actually did not want me to comment on their post. And that was as of, I think, uh, it's been like all season. Like, I don't know what I did. I, I did nothing wrong, Mavericks. I did nothing wrong. I didn't say anything wrong. I, I was just making a comment about your team. A real comment. If you can't take it, th- 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 just ignore it. There's other fans out there that are saying a lot worse things than I am about this team. This team doesn't have a player personality. They have everything they need. Jaden Harden played, played fabulous last night. He played great. He's ready. He's NBA ready. He played fabulous. We just need the other four guys to come through. We need Tim Hardaway. We need, uh, uh, we need uh, Dwight Powell even. We need Christian Wood. We need guys like that to come through to step up. But it's not going to, it's never going to be like that because these guys, because the Mavericks are built on a culture that we need players. We don't need anyone on this team. 
Now, would you say, do they have enough to win a championship? Absolutely not. Even when you add another player on this team, you still do not have enough to win a championship. And I don't think that's your goal right now. If we, if, if we're being honest, if we're being honest, the goal for the Mavericks is not when it is not participating in a championship right now. And it's fine. It's fine because you're trying to, you're trying to see what everyone, where Luca is and how to build a franchise around Luca. Just like if you, you try to build a franchise around Dirk, you brought these players in, you won a championship. Then in his later years, you did not care about building the team. You know, for years we've been saying, bring players in, bring players in, but Mark Cuban does not want to pay. He wants to pay sponsors. He wants to pay, uh, stuff that doesn't make any sense, like building another town in Texas or investing in pickleball, which is that a sport? Is pickleball a sport? I never heard of it, but I, I don't know. Someone has to educate me about pickleball. I don't, I don't understand it. They say it's like basketball, but, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's a sport or not. I, I haven't seen it yet. I heard about it, but I've never seen it played. But then again, people are going to invest in that league and make it a league versus a sport. If you're trying to make it a sport, then I think you have to add a little bit of, uh, uh of running into it. Not just standing around. Like I said, I've never seen it. I'm interested, I'm interested to see what it is, what, it, what, what is it like to play pickleball? I don't understand. But nonetheless, uh, so my other thing is, I want to talk about this grit, uh, I want to talk about Dylan Brooks. So, besides the game last night, Dylan Brooks began his 18 technical foul. He was, he'll be suspended unless the NBA comes out and says we're going to rescind it, which I don't think they're going to because it's an obvious tech. Uh, I saw this on Instagram the other day and, and I got to argument with other people that, that they may be fake fans. They may be the fans of the Grizzlies. Who knows? And I said, and it said Dylan Brooks, defensive player of the year. I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what? You're giving that man a defensive player of the year versus everybody else that deserves it? I'm just thinking what, what makes you think, uh, he deserves it? Found not getting into foul trouble every game? Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't have my vote for defensive player of the year. He does not. Like, as a matter of fact, I don't even have a vote for the defensive player of the year because this league does not play any defense at all. And when I saw that post, I was like, Taylor Jenkins is out of his mind. This is your coach, Memphis. This is the same guy that doesn't hold his players accountable. This is the same guy that's always going to fall short in the playoffs. No matter what the team is. Yeah, he's a great race. He's a head coach. But in the playoffs, he's always going to fall short. Every single time. So what makes you think 
Taylor Jenkins. You're the Memphis head coach. What makes you think he he deserves the play uh, the defensive player of the year award? Is it his stats? Is the other team's best player uh, shooting less than forty percent? What makes you think he is the defensive player of the year? His leadership, because that's a sportsmanship award. If you're talking about his leadership on the court, and there's more guys more worthy to win those awards than Dylan Brooks is. Dylan Brooks is no defensive player of the year. He fouls a lot. You can't foul, you can't be a defensive player player of the year when you foul a lot. When you're in foul trouble every game, when you pick up 18 technical fouls and counting. Like you just don't want to play the game. You just want, you just want to beat Dylan Brooks. They want to act, act a certain way. They're just acting to me. Just acting to me. I don't like that. So I disagree with you, Taylor Jenkins. There's other guys that are out there that are more worthy than the defensive player of the year award. There's other guys. And those guys that I got into argument with, y'all should realize that those are the, 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 that there's guys out there that are more worthy, that don't foul a lot, that don't, uh, that don't, that keep their man in front, that are more worthy than the defense, that, that, that are more worthy to win that defensive player than year award than Dylan Brooks. I will easily say Draymond, but Draymond, this is his worst season ever defensively. He's not saying anything. At all on the defensive end. Now people say that punch, but no, I I I put it on the play on the road. No one's saying anything on defense. Dub, uh, Draymond, I don't know if he cares about the game or not, but something has changed. You're focusing more on the officials than the actual defensive game itself. It's just ridiculous. But nonetheless, I disagree with you, Taylor Jenkins. Now, this is my final point. Now, Gabe is not here. But he's a Lakers fan. I feel like the Lakers are giving up, y'all. He doesn't like me to to say that. But of course he's not here. I'm pretty sure he's going to listen to this episode and he'll have words for me. He will. Because he's a Lakers fan. He did say that the Lakers may not make the postseason. I agree with him. And now, is a thousand percent correct that they may not make it, despite where they're at right now? Well, actually, they may. They may make it to play in, but, you know, it, it, you know, right now, I think they're ninth right now. And, um, you know, who knows? They, they, I don't know. They, you know, they they could make the play in, right? but I don't expect them to come out of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, I think you have to take LeBron to come back to get past the play in. And this man, LeBron, was in a cast like what three weeks ago, and now there's now the coach is saying he may come back. I'm like, Darvin, are you drunk? Are are you drunk? This man was in the cast three weeks ago, and he may come back. Like, what is wrong with you? The man is 38 years old. The man needs time to recover. The man was in the cast two weeks, three weeks ago, and complimented about surgery. Did he get the surgery? I don't know. 
That's interesting to me. The media, when it comes to LeBron's injuries, the media doesn't, the media doesn't over, doesn't say whether he got surgery or not. Kind of like Steph. Well, actually not like Steph, but any other player, they're always going to say, okay, I had surgery on my wrist or I had surgery on my knee. When it comes to LeBron's injury, they don't over exaggerate the story. Even though LeBron is the most polarized figure in America right now. We got to know what if LeBron got the surgery or not. And apparently, I don't think he did. Or else he'll be out for the season. But I don't, I, I, I don't think he's coming back this season. This season. I, I'm not saying retirement. This season, he's not coming back. Even the play. And I don't think, I'll be surprised. I'll be very surprised. And I have LeBron haters in my ear every single day. And I almost want to tell him, you need to leave LeBron alone. What has LeBron done to you? What has LeBron done to you to make him hate him? LeBron is the most polarized figure in America. He's top 10 in every single category. You know, again, it always goes down to Jordan versus LeBron. My generation picks LeBron. For for me, I go with a tie. Because I was in both generations. But you got the old heads that say, I'm a Jordan guy. Okay, fine. You're a Jordan guy. Okay, great. I, I'm a LeBron guy because LeBron is all, all about his craft. And I think he's going to be well, well into retirement. I'm not saying Jordan's not doing well. Jordan's doing fabulous. Jordan's doing well. It's just unfortunate he has to sell the team to make a profit. Because when a team is not winning, you gotta, he's betting on, he's saying, I'm gonna give up half of this. Cause someone will work with me. I don't know the business. I, I, I just made that up. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, I wanna get back to this. I, I got off track. Let me get back to this Lakers stuff. So, the Lakers are giving up. Even though they won it, they beat the Magic. That's the only team in the NBA you can beat right now because the Magic are not playing for anything. The Magic, when they ha- when they were on the stretch where they were like, I'll say about like a like a four four to seven games they won, they were in that hunt, and now they retreated back to being the Orlando the Orlando Magic. Of course, of course, you're going to beat them. Of course. You know, you lose to Dallas and then you lose to Houston. And I guarantee you, and Lakers fans may not agree with me on this. I guarantee you, Anthony Davis was saying, okay, after the OKC game, which they won, was it the OKC game? I think it was, yeah. Okay. The game that they played on that Tuesday. Oh, it was New Orleans, sorry. New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis played that game. Anthony Davis played great. Andy Davis the next day woke up Wednesday morning and said, ah, shit, I have to play again. And Darvin Ham gave him the day off. Like, why did you give him the day off, Darvin? You could have played him. You could have said, you know what, you're playing today. You are playing today. No ifs or buts about it. You don't decide your schedule. You miss 20 games. In those 20 games time, you should be anticipating and playing down the stretch. Every single game, no matter where you're at. He was saying, dear, thank you, God, for not letting me play tonight. And then you go around and lose to Houston. 
Then you lose to the Mavericks on a buzzer beater, which I said, you know, that if they don't make the po- if, if even if they don't make the play in, I think that is the one of the worst losses this season. That loss right there in the buzzer beater against Dallas on Friday, one of the worst. Because you had a chance. Dallas gave up that game. Dallas obviously gave up that lead again. You know, Dallas had the weekend to think about that. And how are you going to come out here on Monday night and lay a, and lay a, a, an egg on, on, on TV? And like the Nationals are not even looking at it, but yet you lay an egg on TV. I, I just don't get that, Dallas. But then again, the Lakers, um, that, you know, like I said, they're, they're done. They're, they're, they're done. Shout out to Austin Reeves for having a great game last last time out. Um, Anthony Davis plays when when he wants to play. He'll give you thirty and ten when he wants to. He's not an MVP caliber player. He'll never be that caliber player. He'll just play when he wants to play. Oh yeah, he'll he'll play. He'll play. He'll play this game, but like I said. When in the morning, when he gets up, he'll play. He'll play when he wants to play. He'll say, you know what? I, I feel like March 21st, maybe I want to play t- tonight. Maybe I want to go get this 30 and 10. Maybe I, I want to, you know, maybe I want to be less of a Davis and get like eight points on a night where, where everybody's flying, fighting for a playoff position. There's many people that said, okay, they can get as high as the six. Okay, first of all, that's unrealistic because you're losing to teams uh, that you're supposed to beat. I knew that was unrealistic. You can't lose to teams like that, period, in the story. That's it. You can't do that. But then again, you go out there and you you play what Anthony Davis does. You go to your own tune. That's what most of the people do all the time. And it's not a bad thing. Like Anthony Davis, you're not playing for me. You're playing for the Lakers. You're trying to make the postseason. You're trying to play an extra week of basketball. That's why I admire these college students that want that care about the team that want to be that want to play an extra season of basketball i'm sorry an extra week extra two weeks extra three weeks of basketball practices everywhere the ball is moving the ball doesn't sit still in march if it sits still in march we have problems we have problems just like in the NBA, the ball sits still in April. That's, that goes for most teams in the NBA. If the ball sits still in April at your facility, there's a problem. There's a problem. A huge problem. A huge problem to where they don't address it. They will not address it. I'm addressing it because, because I'm supposed to be playing the postseason right now. I'm on this team that, uh, that, that doesn't, that doesn't resonate. I'm on the team that has, uh, that has chemistry issues. A lot of issues. So with that being said, y'all, the ball has to be bouncing right now. In college game, it has to be right now, March, part of April. And then in the NBA, the ball's got to be bouncing in April and May. Could be June if you make the finals. 
So, but then again, the ball would be bouncing anyways because there's guys out there that's going to be fighting for a team. That's, they, they call it the summer league. That's what they call it. They call it the summer league. There's going to be a ball. There's going to be a ball bouncing around. There's going to have a, they're going to have a Drew League. They're going to have, there's going to be these players that are going to be playing in some other leagues that were, were that in the summer. It happens. But nonetheless, right now, right now, we have to fit, we, these players have to play. This is a crucial stretch down the stretch. It's crucial right now that we get this job done. It's crucial. Like, for example, Dallas, it's crucial that you win these games that you're supposed to win. I mean, you beat the Lakers, but you lose to the Grizzlies. You lose to the Grizzlies. Now, tomorrow night, you play against the Warriors in Dallas. We don't know because the Warriors won in Houston last night. And that's that's off their 11-game road losing streak. Um, so coming to Dallas now, we don't know if Luka's going to play. Luka's going to play. We don't know if he's going to play or not. I haven't heard anything. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie kind of injured his foot. He was questionable for the Memphis game, but, but you know, I'm glad he played. I'm glad he played because, uh, because his value, his value, he's trying to get his value back. I feel like, um, so Dallas is a crucial stretch. And I want to say one other thing before we go to break about the John Morant. I'm happy to see John Morant back, but I feel like it wasn't enough. I feel like he wasn't ready. I feel like he wasn't, re- I feel like he rushed it back. I mean, you spend two days, you spend a day and a half in a, in a facility in Florida, but yet people are, will tell you, Take your time. Come back when you want to come back. Like I would have mind him take take the week off. A week off, you come back to the team and all is well. But I like I like when he came back, but I don't like the fact that he rushed it a little bit. And I definitely don't like the fact that the fans in Memphis are not holding their players accountable for their actions. They know it. It shouldn't be a blind eye. Okay. Like John Morant in that strip club, for example, we have to stop disrespecting these strip clubs. We have to stop it. Cause I was just thinking about this when I was on the way here. I was thinking about, uh, doesn't these strip clubs have bouncers? Don't they have metal detectors? Because it's not just him that's bringing guns in the club. It's other people that are not in NBA, NFL, NHL. They're not they're not professional athletes, but they're regular guys that bring it into the club. Why why don't we address them versus Morant? I know Morant didn't fire the gun. Those guys are firing guns inside or whether it's outside. Either way, they're firing it uh, on the ship club premises. We don't hold those guys accountable. Those guys are going out there. You, they had a plan to do some damage. Whether they got kicked out or they didn't get what they wanted, 
we should hold those people accountable versus Morant. Now, we're not going to disrespect any this any strip clubs on this show. We're not. As long as I'm here, I'm alive, I'm well, and all that stuff, we will not do that. I blame the strip clubs for not enhancing their security. You got, how do you have a bouncer and that allows that to go through? You're trying to protect the ladies inside, not, not only the ladies, but everybody that went in there to go see a show. That's the ultimate protection possible. But if you don't have that, then, then it's basically the ship club's fault for allowing that, for allowing rent to bring, well, for not searching. They need metal detectors. You cannot go in there. And even now, you got to have the right mind. If I'm going to a strip club, I'm there to go have fun. I'm not there to cause damage to that one person, to the dancers, to the manager. I'm not doing that. I'm going there to have fun. That's what fun means. We need to bring fun back. Especially in the nightlife. And I noticed that, uh, um, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We're not going to disrespect any strip club joint, whether it's here in Texas or out anywhere, because they do their due diligence of, of making everyone safe. Now, do I think they need to enhance metal detectors or beef up the security? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, they need to do that. Are they going to do that? I don't know. I don't know. It feels like they don't care. It feels like the only people that care about strip clubs is, is the dancers and the people that work there and the people that invest money to go there to, um, to have some fun. That's the only, that's the only way. So, in conclusion, do, do I think Morant learned anything? Um, I don't think he did. I don't think he did because, I mean, it's nice that I saw that he's back. Then also, I don't think he learned anything because he rushed it back. Morant, you don't get these years back. What you do right now, you don't get it back. They offer you a, they gave you a contract last year. I don't think any player in their lifetime will see that ever contract ever again, unless you're, unless you're up here. If you're up here, you'll get that contract. When you're down here, you don't get that contract. Other guys, young black men like myself are trying to be like you. We're trying to get that million dollar contract. And even, um, we're trying to be, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, work as hard as we can to make that happen. You worked hard. You uh, you have supporters around you. Yes, yes. Let them continue to support you. But at the same time, when you want out, just take your time, man. Don't rush it. Like therapy is not a game to play with. They're trying to save you from any damage, from any harm. 
and the NBA suspension was light. It was very light. Like, basically, he got suspended for two games, basically. If you do it in context, he got suspended for two games, okay? It's very light. And it's disrespectful to the guys that were suspended for 50 games for, uh, for a season. Because I feel, because you gotta understand, I feel for the baseball players. Every season they get tested for PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, right? And every season they get tested, they get suspended. Like Fernando Tatis suspended for 80 games. I think he's suspended for 50 now. But he's suspended for 80 games for doing that. So, if the NBA suspension is light in this day and age, why don't you make it light in the MLB? Why don't you make it light in the NFL? You got to do something real drastic to get a hefty suspension. And fighting is not even doing that. When you get into fights now, it's a one-game suspension. Or better yet, if you push someone, it's a fine. Okay. Is that how we're going to do it this day and age? Then, then you might as well give them their jobs back. The Gilbert Arenas of the world. There's other players that, that were suspended. Ron Tess, Steven Jackson. Might as well give it, give it back to them. But of course, they're old. They will never, they don't have an interest in coming back to the NBA because they have other interests in other things. And that's a fine, that's fine too. But I want Morant to learn that nothing is given to you. You have to earn it and you definitely earn it. But when you do this again, your coach shouldn't have to save your ass again. That's what he basically did. He saved his ass and allowed, allowed men to be accountable for their actions. And he did take accountability. But I feel like, I feel like he should have taken time away from the game. Someone's going to be bouncing about basketball. The game will, will still be played and all that stuff, but take as much time as you need to be away. And that goes for everybody. Now, of course, you know, if you're working a mediocre job, then I don't know. I don't know if they're going to give you the same treatment as the NBA has. But I, I I think right now I think you should they should, but I don't. I, but it's a mediocre job. That's why they call it mediocre. But not this one. I love this job. I love podcasting, and that's why when I need a break, I would tell y'all I need a break. But I'm built strong by the man upstairs to get through it. And, you know, I love John Morant and I, and I hope he does well throughout not only the rest of the season, but throughout his whole career. I just worry in the off season and I worry not for him. I worry about the, the other guys. I worry about the guys in the NFL. I worry about the guys in the NBA and I definitely worry. And yeah, those are the two things I worry about. I worry about them, but nonetheless, I hope everybody stays healthy and comes out on the other side. Now, that's my spiel for that segment. Uh, so coming up next, I want to talk about the college, the, the men's tournament, the women's tournament, and some of the games you should watch out for. Sweet 16 matchups. 
Uh, and what I learned about my time at home this weekend, this past weekend, watching every game, watching every situation possible. I'm going to give you my take on that, plus the other games, and plus this UNT news that popped into my feed uh, yesterday afternoon. I'm completely shocked about. It's up next. It's Fishbowl Radio's Beyond the Game. Hey, this is Linda. Catch my show. It's all about kids and the kids and you. Bi-weekly on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central Time starting May 21st. On this show, we will discuss issues that concern kids and adults because of things that may have happened to them when they were a kid. You can expect to hear from children and professionals discussing these common issues that they may face today. Our mission is to bring healing to children, families, and our community. Our goal is to save lives. This show will change your life. Catch my show bi-weekly on Saturday at 7 p.m. Central Time. It's all about kids. And the kid in you. Yeah, nigga, I'm still fucking with you. Still waters run deep. Still Snoop Dogg and D.R.A. Nah, nah, nigga. Guess who's back? Still. Still doing that shit, Andre. Oh, for sure. Okay, nigga, though I've grown a lot, can't keep it home a lot. Cause my frequent spots that I'm known to rock. You hit a base from the truck when I'm on the block. Ladies, they pay homage, but haters say Trey fell off. How nigga, my last album was the chronic. They wanna know if he still got it. They say raps change. They wanna know how I feel about if you it. You ain't up on Dr. Dre is the name, I'm ahead of my game. Still puffin' my leaves, still fuck with the beats. Still not loving police. Still rock my khakis with a cuff and a crease. Still got love for the streets, reppin' 213. Still the beach bang, still doing my thing. Since I left, ain't too much change. Still, I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world. Still, hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still, taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the deal. I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world. Still, hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still, taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets It's the DR. Since the last time you heard from me I lost some friends Well, hell Me and Snoop, we dipping again I Kept my ears to the streets Signed Eminem He's triple platinum Doing 50 a week Still, I stay close to the heat And even when I was close to defeat I rose to my feet My life's like a soundtrack I rose to the beat Street rap like Cali weed I smoke till I'm asleep Wake up in the AM Compose a beat I bring the fire till you're soaking in your seat it's not a fluke, it's been tried, I'm the truth Since turn out the lights from the world-class wrecking crew I'm still at it, after mathematics In the home of drive-bys and agmatics Swap meets, sticky green and bad traffic I dip through, then I give still, to the D.R. I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world Still, hitting them counters and them lolos, girl Still, taking my time to perfect the beat And I still got love for the streets It's the D.R. I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world Still, hitting them counters and them lolos, girl Still, 
taking my time to perfect the beat And I still got love for the streets It's the GRE It ain't nothing but Mohawk shit Another classic CD for y'all to vibe with Whether you're cooling on the corner with your fly bitch yes. Lay back in the shack, play this track I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world Still, hitting them corners and them polos, girl I'll break your neck, damn near put your face in your lap Niggas try to be the king, but the ace is back So if you ain't up on things Still running the game, still got it wrapped like a mummy. Still ain't tripping, love to see young blacks get money. Spend time out the hood, take their moms out the hood. Hit my boys off with jobs, no more living hard. Barbecues every day, driving fancy cars. Still gon' get my bill. I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world. Still hitting them counters and them bumbos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the deal. I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world. Still hitting them counters and them bumbos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the deal. I'm representing for the gangsters all across the world. Still hitting them counters and them bumbos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets It's the D.R.E. Right back up in your motherfucking ass Nine, five plus four minutes Add that shit up D.R.E. Right back up on top of things Smoke some with your dog No stress, no seeds, no stems, no sticks Some of that real sticky, icky, icky Ooh, wee Put it in the air Well, use a full D.R. Bye. 
Welcome back to the Beyond Gay Podcast. Well, my name is Jamie. I was welcome back. Uh, so, with that being said, y'all, I did tease about uh, the NCAA tournament. I spent the whole entire weekend watching it. Um, I really... It was my first time spending the entire weekend at the house. Um, I did go work out. I did go to church Sunday. I did. I did go to church Sunday. I did. Then that was it. I wanted to stay home and see what the tournament was all about. See what the anticipation, the hype was all about. So with that being said, everyone, um, let's talk about these matchups and what I think about them. But I'll give you my five takes first. Now, my time during the weekend, it was a little bit frustrating, you know, because um, watching these games is not is not hard to coach. They make it difficult to coach, but it's not that hard, especially right now. If you're passionate about the game and helping helping young athletes succeed, then you have a passion. Then you don't need anything else. In my mind, you just have to have passion and sacrifice for coaching. So here's what I thought about this. Number one, the officials are giving extra timeouts to, to the team, to, to a team that has, that has two timeouts or less. That has happened in the women's game. That was the most frustrating part this weekend that I saw in the women's game. So it was, it happened in all the games. Like, a player will make a basket and they got to go to the monitor to see how much time is left. That is an extra 30 second timeout for that team that has less than two. That to me was frustrating because why are we going to, why are these officials going to the, to the, uh, going to, to, to the monitor to see what time is left on the, uh, on the timer? After that player scored a basket, you should really check the clock operator of who is making that decision. And why are you doing this over and over and over and over and over again? That happened at least four or five times. And I was like, dude, don't go to the monitor. Please don't go to the monitor. If you go to the monitor, you're delaying the game by three to four minutes. Like, of course, I didn't have anything to do at that, that time. But but at the same time, you're you're freezing the player at the line. You're you're you're, uh, you're giving a timeout, like I said, to the action player. 
Coaches don't know what to say anymore. Coaches are over exaggerating their sayings. Basically. So there's nothing else to say. They have to fix that. Get a new car collaborator operator or something. We don't need to go to the monitor every single, every single time under two minutes to see how much time that was. We don't need that at all. Now, number two. Uh, these time, these teams need to use their timeouts early to avoid runs. What I mean runs, I mean if someone were to go like a 17 to two, 17 to two or a 19 to two run, you need to use your timeout. When it gets down to like third, uh, to 11 to 12, when you're up by, let's say you're up by 20, it gets down to like, uh, 12 or 13. Use your timeout. That stops the momentum and it gives you time to run a play off a of timeout. The timeout is good because you, you know, you may, you may run a play that, that, um, gets you a basket. That happens every single time when you call a timeout. When you call a timeout, you, you make adjustments and the momentum feels like it's shifted back to your side. You know what I'm saying? That's why teams like Stanford is not there anymore because Stanford did not use their timeouts early. They, they used their timeouts when, when the game was, when the game was won by Ole Miss. That's why Ole Miss won the game because Stanford's not used to the physicality of Ole Miss. So use your timeouts early. I see these teams have time, four timeouts by the end of the game. I'm like, no, you need to use at least one. I'm pretty sure the officials are going to give you an extra one. Um, you know what I, when they, you know what I think they should go back to? They should go back to five timeouts or six. That way you're not wasting time. These officials are not wasting time to go back to the monitor and try to, uh, address, try to see what happened on this play or how much time is on this clock. I think that's number one. I think in the offseason they should address that. I think, I, I mean, back in the day, it used to be five. Okay. Can we make it six? I mean, I, I would rather make it six so that, you know, these players, these, these teams can have more time to adjust their play calling and adjust their defense, whatever they got to do in the timeout. Okay. So number three, uh, you got to scout your opponent thoroughly. You got to put, you got to scout your opponent. Uh, thoroughly. Um, I don't think four days gives you enough to scout them. Why should, you know, no, no, it doesn't because it doesn't give you enough because here's the thing. I was very supportive of Texas Southern until, until the first play, the first round game. The first round game they played, their first four, they played against, uh, Fairly Dickerson, which by the way, their coach got the I, I, uh, the Iona job. So I just found that out. That's breaking news for me. So well deserved. So with that being said, um, you got to scout your opponent. And what, what Texas Southern lacked is they didn't scout their opponent properly. You had what four days to, and John and Jones, when I was in his practice, 
does this all the time. Like you, you were given a paper, right? You were given a paper of who, what player can do this, what player can do that. I don't think he, I don't think he does that anymore, but he should go back to that because it won games in that UNT. It was a perfect scouting tool. It was perfect. I don't know what he does now to scout these players. I don't even know what these other play, what these teams do, how to scout these players. Cause they will never show us how to scout this individual. You have to literally go out up there physically to, to their practice, to any college team's practices and see the scouting report for yourself and run that what they want to run. Texas Southern wasn't ready. Texas Southern was not ready for Fairly Dickinson, which is why Fairly Dickinson, Dickinson got their 45 hours, 48 hours of fame. Because they lost to Florida Atlantic, which I'll talk about that in a second. But they were not ready. Now, I know two individuals who coach at Texas Southern. John and Jones and Josh White. They're going to probably say, we disagree with you, Jamie. We scouted this opponent correctly. We, we just lost because that Fort Fairleigh Dickinson was a great team. Okay, then, then fine. Then you come on this show and, and explain it to me. That's it. That's all I'm, all I'm asking for. What did you do in that game to prepare for Fairly Dickinson or else they would not shoot like that, like that? They don't, we don't even know them. We, they didn't have a BAM. What do they have at that school? They don't have anything, but yet, um, oh, actually, you know what? They didn't have a band, but this, the, but when they were in Ohio, the Dayton back, the band, the band, the band for Dayton stepped in and played for them. So that was nice. That was really nice. And so, but they don't have anything right now. This coach got a job at Iowa, Iona. I mean, hey. What a way to put your name out there. What a way to upset the biggest team in the country in Purdue. And I kept telling them, throw it inside. Throw it inside. They're 7-5. Seven, 7-5 five. Seven, five, Zach Eady can just throw it over, over the top. They had 6-6, six, 6-7 six, six, guarding, if you can see on video, 6-6, six, 6-7 six, six, fronting Zach Eady. Okay. Now, granted, when you front and then the other person from the high side is 6'3", then you still throw it to him and, and he'll go to work. He don't even, you don't have to worry about 6'3", because 6'3", can, can jump, can, cannot jump as high. They can't jump as high. So with that being said, because I was just saying on the monitor, Throw it inside. If you throw it inside, then they won't get anything. They will have to fight harder to come back from the game, which they didn't have to do the heavy work because basically uh, Purdue gave them the game. That's what they did. They gave them the game. They didn't win it on per luck. They won it on heart. They said, you know what? We're going to beat Purdue today. We're, and they did. Purdue won the Big Ten tournament. And they're at home right now. I had them going all the way. They're at home right now because they can't play basketball. 
they don't know basketball sense. This is why you have to scout your opponent thoroughly. And actually, you know what? We want to see these teams go on TV a little bit more instead of the internet because the internet buffers, right? The internet buffers. Like these days, they're showing everything on the internet now. It buffers. Put everything on ESPN. I know you don't have the time slot, but ESPN has four channels. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, and ESPN News. You have four channels. You have no excuse. They're all sports channels. You have no excuses at all. None. Number four, stay calm. You have to stay calm in the stretch. Like Memphis, uh, I can understand Penny Hardaway's frustration. I wasn't mad he threw the water bottle. And that, to me, does not get you fired from a job. But, but by the way, he was not fired, so that's good. Um, but when your team, when your team is pushing each other around and getting each other's faces and, and trying to fight each other, like that is signs of a dysfunctional team. It's not up to the coach. And everyone's saying it's up to the coach to police that. It's not up to the coach to police that. It's up to the players to keep their, to keep their eagles in check. Like we're playing in front of millions and we're acting out instead of playing in front of 10 people. We're playing in front of millions. We got to the tournament because we wanted to play an extra week of basketball. We got the tournament because America wants to, America needs to know us. Wants to put us on the spotlight. Not with antics like that. They'll criticize you. Like, like, like I said, whatever motivates the team, that's not motivation. When guys are fighting with each other, that's not motivation. Well, actually, it may be, but it's gotta be the type of fight. It's like a brother or a sister relationship. Well, actually, a brother or brother relationship. You got to fight. We're challenging you. We're challenging you to come through. Yes, I agree. Uh, players got to, got to, you know, pump each other up. I agree with that. I, I, I respect that. But what I don't respect is, is, uh, trying to fight, posting up to fight during a, a, a national, TV broadcast game. I don't like that at all. I just felt like that was unfortunate on Memphis's part. And that's why Florida Atlantic took advantage of that. And they won. But my last point is do not let your guard down. Don't let your guard down, guys. There's a reason why Stanford and Indiana are at home right now in women's basketball. There's a reason why uh, Oklahoma State is at home right now. But there's also, there's also reasons why Ole Miss and Miami are in the second, in the, in, in the Sweet 16. They didn't let down. They, when they were down by double digits in those games, well actually Ole Miss wasn't down by those, they were up by double digits. They, 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 uh, in that game against Stanford, Stanford was not ready for their physical play. They'd run the personality of their coach, which is important. Stanford is a soft offense. And I say that respectfully. T- Tara Vanderveer is a Hall of Famer coach. And I say that respectfully. Haley Jones is my favorite player on that team. 
Cameron Brink is, is also an all-star. But you don't go into that game thinking that Ole Miss is going to be physical as y'all. Ole Miss has physical cality all, all on their team. Starts with their head coach. That's why you don't ever let your guard down. You don't ever do that. You're the number one team in the country. Experts picked you. Well, whoever was doing the 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 uh, seeding for the bracket, we picked you to be number one because of your record. You didn't win the Pac-12, but we picked you. Like Indiana, we, you didn't win the Big Ten. Well, actually, I don't think they did win the Big Ten. Yeah, they did. They did, but. You know, you're number one. Okay? You're number one. Miami goes to Indiana, beats you. Uh, Ole Miss goes to Stanford, beats you. Um, Oklahoma State sitting at home right now. Their women's team sitting at home right now. The accountability is the coaching. They will never take accountability. So you got to hold that over your head for the next eight months. Don't say we, coach. Say you. It's your fault. Your fault for not taking the timeouts in a timely manner. Your fault for not for not making adjustments. Put the blame on you. Do not put the blame on the student athletes. On you, coaches. I blame the Oklahoma State coach. I blame Georgia, too. Georgia had a chance to knock out Caitlin, Caitlin Clark out of the postseason. They had a chance. Three turnovers. This is why you don't save your timeouts. Don't save your timeouts. Take them in a timely fashion. Thinking that your team got it. Dude, in the state of Iowa, they, they have nothing to do. Like, like Charles Brockley said, the state of Utah, there's nothing out there. That's why you had 90,000 fans in Iowa because that is a basketball town. Like, d- dude, when you, when you have, uh, when the crowd's all over the place, you call a timeout to settle everybody down. That's what you do. But yet you call a timeout to advance the ball. The game's over at that time. It's over. That's why you're sitting at home right now, Georgia. Oklahoma State, Indiana, Stanford. That's why. We got two number one seeds sitting at home right now. We got a, a, a four seed in Texas that's sitting at home right now. Because of Vic Schaefer. Vic Schaefer. You know what? Vic Schaefer is to blame for that loss last night. He's the blame. You can't, uh, and people say, well, you know, he doesn't make shots. Of course he doesn't, but he can make adjustments. Instead of yelling at your players and taking off your jacket, why don't you just, uh, take accountability and say, you know what? We, I screwed up. That shows me that you screwed up. Now, nonetheless, those guys are at home. They sit at home. Let them be at home. But let's talk about these matchups. And I'll start with the uh, ladies first. I want to start with Miami versus uh, Villanova. Miami, I want to talk about that matchup real quick. Miami versus Villanova in the Sweet 16. 
I think that's a Friday game. I don't know. It's Friday, Saturday, one of those things. But my biggest take is Miami's feeding off momentum. It's momentum for Miami. They went to all, they went to two tougher places. Well, actually, no. They stayed. At, they they played at a tougher place, and they beat in them one seed. So they're going off momentum. Could it happen against against uh, Villanova? I don't know much about Villanova except for they have the score and then Maddie Sargis. Sar, I can't pronounce her name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who? I'm sorry. But, but. Villanova has to respect Miami's momentum, and Miami has to respect Maddie's game. So those are the two different two. Those are two things I'll be watching for when it comes down to that game. Uh, the other one is Ole Miss or Louisville. Now this is the matchup where <laughs> Eagles are driven. One side was Ole Miss. Ole Miss plays defense. Their coach is as a defensive minded coach. Shout out to Coach Yo out there. Um, you're doing a fabulous job, uh, and, uh, keep it going. Uh, but unfortunately, you are not my pick for this game. I think I'm going to pick Louisville because of Haley Van Slit. Now, there was an incident last night after this game. I wanted to get, I, 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 I reached out to Sonia Morris. So, Sonia Morris is the guard for the Texas women's basketball game team. And, um, they got into a little dust up on, in the handshake line last night. And I, and, and I reached out to her and I said in, in my message, and she has not responded. I said, maybe I'll reach out to Haley and maybe I'll have that answer next week. What happened? What happened between y'all? What was said? What was said? I know Haley Van Leaf can intimidate other, and that's what she does. That's what she does. She intimidates every opponent, every opponent she plays against. But I want to figure out what was said. What was said in, in, in that, in that handshake line that caused you to say those things. But hopefully Sonya Morris, if you're listening out there, I hope you reach out and, and explain that to me. Maybe I'll bring you on the show. Or maybe I'll reach out to Haley and say, what was being said in that handshake line? Cameras captured it, but it didn't capture all of it. No one said anything. So I, I want to, you know, you know, I, I should have listened to a, a press conference and maybe I'll get answers there. Maybe I'll have an answer next week. And nonetheless, but this matchup, I mean, I think Ole Miss is going to intimidate Haley. I think that that's the number one focus. Outside of that, uh, they do have a little bit more. Louisville has a little bit more. I like their big girl. I can't, listen, I don't remember their names. I don't know them. I just know the fact that they played last night and they made a difference in the, in the Texas game. And so uh, I think Ole Miss is solely focused on Haley and what she can do def- uh, offensively. And I think they're going to take away everything possible. Make Haley work a little bit. I think if you make her work a, lo- a lot more on one-on-one stuff, I think uh, a box one makes you work. So a box one, it means that you're guarding that person straight up. When you guard that person straight up and make them work for all that, they're trying to do behind the back, trying to get to free themselves for a shot. And if they miss it, you've done your job. I feel like they're going to do their job this game. I think if Louisville goes where 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 Haley goes, 
Haley's on, Louisville's gone. Haley's off, they don't have that, uh, they don't have a second or third option. So this game, I'm still choosing Louisville because of Haley. I think she'll go off. I think she'll have her moments in the first half. In the second half, she'll get it going. Um, the other matchup is LSU versus Utah. Um, that matchup is very interesting. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, Kim Mulkey has experience. So to get to the next level. So coaching in that game is more experienced than the, well, actually coaching, coaching that will decide that game. Uh, Colorado, Colorado versus Iowa. Uh, you know what? I don't know much about Colorado's women's basketball team other than Deion San, Coach Prime's daughter plays on the, well, actually, yeah, she plays on the team, but she's not playing this year because of the transfer rules within the season. But Colorado has a chip on their shoulder after last night. You don't beat Duke in, in Duke's, Duke's house. So they're going to build that off that motivation. And Iowa has Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark is, uh, controls the offense 96% of the time. The other 4% is Monica's, Monica Casano. But Caitlin Clark's 96% that team. Without Caitlin Clark, they are nothing on that end. They're nothing now. And I'm just trying to be honest with you. The stats said 50%. I'm saying 96%. What Caitlin Clark does on that team is un- unimaginable. And, um, you know, like I said, Colorado has a chip on their shoulder. And they're coming off motivation. Now, if you ask me who will win that game, I'm going to choose Iowa because of Caitlin Clark. Okay? Caitlin Clark has a triple-double. Iowa's winning, winning that game. Now, let's move down to Notre Dame versus Maryland. This is a matchup where, um, like I said, coaching experience rules. But then again, I don't think coaching will rule this game. I think the players will decide this game because Notre Dame is missing their two quality players in Dara Mayberry and uh, Olivia Miles. Uh, those are two key pieces on the Notre Dame team that keeps the game, keeps the team going. Uh, so, but Maryland has Diamond Miller. I like her game. I think she's going to be the, uh, she's going to be the first pick. Uh, not, that's my take in that draft, in the draft. That's my take. Leah Boston, the second, but then again, um, who knows? Who knows what these WNBA teams are thinking right now? But this is a matchup I like, um, and I won't watch. I'm going to tune into. Uh, another matchup that I like is Tennessee versus Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech has not gone in this past, but then again, uh, I like this matchup because Tennessee is, uh, is, has an all-around team. Virginia Tech has about, maybe about two or three players, but they make timely shots. Okay. And I was frustrated in that game against South Dakota State because I'm glad Virginia Tech knocked them out because South Dakota State does not have my best interests. They don't have they don't have my best interests at all. Period. Like I I I just don't like their team. Maybe because of the coaching, maybe because of the constant huddles. Well actually I don't well their their game is awkward to me. But they play basketball, so I, I have to give them a little bit of credit. 
But this matchup could be fairly even almost. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee's legendary because of past summer. Past summer's rest in peace. God rest her soul. Uh, I like the coach. I think she's a motivator. Um, she, 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 she is the most accomplished coach in the SEC. Well, actually, one of the few that ho- that coaches the game, but adds the accountability to it. If you hear her press conferences. Now, the other matchup is UCLA versus South Carolina. Um, UCLA, you know, that game, they foul a lot. UCLA fouls a lot. And it'll make the free throw line a lot more attractive if, you know, when, when South Carolina gets there. And they will get there often. Ohio State versus UConn in women's basketball. UConn has a history of being in this round and finally they're relevant. AZ FUD is the, is the difference maker. When she's healthy, this team goes. When she's not, it's a different, it's a completely different team. Ohio State is struggling to, just like the first two rounds, they struggle to make to this point. And I think this will cure it if they beat UConn. I'm not choosing Ohio State to beat UConn, but I'm choosing UConn to beat Ohio State. I think if there's an upset, this will be the game. This will be the game for an upset. Not no, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina win that handily. But that's enough for my women's tournament. I encourage everyone to go watch a, a women's tournament out there. Um, if you haven't, cause those games are fascinating to me. So let's step into the men's side. Let's talk about Florida Atlantic versus Tennessee. Now, Florida Atlantic won the division, and I wanted to pull the poll up. Is Dusty May better coach than Grant McCaslin? I think it's fairly even, but then again, Florida Atlantic won 31 games in the regular season. They beat, they beat North Texas twice. They won the Conference USA, and this team is building off momentum. I feel like this team is building off momentum. I feel like they have a chip on the shit. They feel they want America hear them. There's a small town in Florida Atlantic that no one has ever heard of. Actually, people go to go to that part of town for vacation. They don't go to go to the University of Florida Atlantic. They go there on vacation. But I think Florida Atlantic is ready to make their name in college college basketball. I want them to be the one of the better college basketball teams. And I think this game, if they win, will seal that. Uh, let's talk about Gonzaga versus UCLA. Can Gonzaga get it done? This team has never won a championship, a national championship, has the most decorated coaches, has the best big man in the game. Yes, the big, best big man in the game, but can they get it done? It's always a question every single year for Mark Few. Uh, UCLA, we, we're, I'm not worried about Mick Cromnan, uh, his team. Uh, Jaime Hawkes is, is one of the best in, in the planet to play against. Uh, Tiger Campbell is a leader amongst the leaders. So, like I said, it comes out to Gonzaga. Can they get it done? UCLA is going to give you their mental toughness. They're going to 
beat you inside. They're going to beat you outside. Uh, the only weakness is themselves. Gonzaga's weakness is uh, the perimeter. The, can they score in the perimeter? When teams get down, when they get down, can they can they recover? They recover against barely. They barely recover against TCU. So, uh, I'm interested to see this matchup. Uh, Michigan State versus Kansas State is another one. Arkansas versus UConn is a, is another one. Um, I'm interested to see that one as well because Arkansas is feeding off. Like I said, these teams, when their coaches' egos at 11, players feed off that. Eric, Eric Musselman, Musselman's ego level is at 11, is at a 12. So the players are going to feed off that. And it's unfortunate they cannot stop a, a guy named Sunogo. I, I can't remember his first name. Uh, can, cannot stop him inside. That's the biggest issue. Can you stop him inside? You take his inside game, you have a chance. So, my favorite one, my favorite matchup is Xavier versus Texas. This is my favorite matchup. Because Texas is out to make a name for themselves. And Ronnie Terry should have a job right now. It's the it's a it's the action of uh, of what we we are in this day and age. You have to us people that look like me. We have to continue to work. To this man won a Big Twelve championship against all odds. If Chris Beard was coaching this team, he would not he would not win. He would have never won the Big Twelve. And I don't agree with Ole Miss hiring him. I don't agree with that at all. I feel like he should have had another year off. Then he goes to a junior college and revives himself. Kind of like Rick Petito. He took the risk. Okay. He went to Iona, and now he has a St. John's job. Shouldn't have that job, but he has a job now. But with that being said, Ronnie Terry, his that answer attack should have been off by now. And I don't think he's focusing on it right now. I think he's focused on coaching this team against Xavier. Xavier is going to see their shoulder physicality. Texas is going to show you their offense. They're going to show you their half court offense. That's why they excelled against, uh, against Penn State because they made Penn State play defense. They did not make them run. They made them play defense in their half court. The half court, the half court game is a killer. It's a killer when teams want to run. They play that run and gun game. They want to, they want to, uh, they, they want to get baskets in transition. So, um, so, with that being said, Texas is not a transition team. They're more of a half court, let's, let's pass the ball around, let's find a good shot team. And so, I do have Texas winning this game. Um, not by much, but I think I think if it's less than eight, then Texas wins this game. Princeton versus Creighton is another one. Uh, Princeton runs their offense; they make you run their offense. They make, like I said, like I said against, Te- like I said for Texas. Texas wants to make you play their offense. They want to make you play defense throughout the whole shot clock. Princeton wants to make you play. Offense where they're cutting around the basket. They may, they're going to make you run in the half court to the point where you don't want to play offense. 
And Kratha is more physical. So let's see if Kratha can add that physicality against Priston. I don't see Priston as a physical team, but Priston beats you with their mindset. They can beat you at their weakness. So Creighton, their only weakness is the outside game. The outside game's not going for the Creighton. They can't throw to that big juggernaut inside, which is, I can't remember his name, but, uh, well, if they cannot throw in the side, you don't have a chance. The Creighton does not have a chance. For instance, it's going to make you play their game. So there's another matchup, San Diego State versus Alabama. I, you know, you know me. I, you know, San Diego State plays defense like crazy. I think they'll shut down their whole entire team. Alabama is not built for this. They're not built for college. They're not built to, to win a championship in college basketball. They're not built to go to the final four. This is why I did not have them in the final four. Okay. They're not built for that. And if they, and I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong that Alabama is built for college basketball because they're not. They're not built for college basketball. Miami versus Houston. Now, this is a critical matchup because Miami is, is, doesn't look good, but they get the job done. Um, Houston is dealing with, with one injury in, in particular that is Sasser, but he makes their team go. Well, whatever, Marcus Sasser, Sasser, whenever he goes, the team goes. He's the entire team. If he's not there on the court, if he's going at, what, fit, uh, 65% at best, they may have a chance, but then again, you know, uh, Miami is going on, going, Miami has to take advantage of their mess ups. Auburn didn't do that. I mean, they just struggled against them. Houston struggled against Northern Kentucky. We don't know who Northern Kentucky is. That's what I'm saying. That's why you got to put these bigger games, these teams on TV so that we know who they are. We know what to expect from them. Not when, when you want to, want them to be on TV for the tournament. We got to know who they are. So that's my tournament. Now the tournament is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Those the Elite Eight is Saturday and Sunday. Sweet Sixteen is Thursday and Friday. So, um, so a lot of good matchups on the men's and women's side to look out for. These teams have a never say die attitude. These players do. They never have. They never have a say. They never have. They never said a die attitude. They don't have that attitude. It's not about them. It's about the team. That's the type of attitude that you have to have right now. Now, the selfish attitude comes in after when the season's over. You want to go to another team? By all means, the transfer portal's open. You go to that team. You make a difference. Let's see what happens. But, guys, a uh, little bit of breaking news. Actually, the breaking news came yesterday when I found out my my – my favorite coach, Jaylee Mitchell, if she's listening out there, the news is she's out at UNT. She got fired, guys. Like, she didn't resign. She got fired. A 111 and 127 record, um, to say the least. Um, and this is not her fault. Let me tell you something. It's not her fault. It's the players that are not willing to buy in 
to the program. It's not Quincy Noble's fault because Quincy Noble averaged 17 points a game. She was great. She was fabulous. She did everything she can for that team. Where are the other players at? Where is the Anaya Johnson? Where is the uh, Tamisha Lankin? Where is Rihanna Davis? Where is uh, Kendall Magruder? Where is all? Where is Maddie Cleary? Where is all these other players? This is a player's issue, not a coach's issue. The players tune out when Jalen Mitchell failed this season. When they went on a losing streak, when they were winning, when they won a game, they lost a game, they went on all this. The season was lost in the in the uh, before the beginning of that conference. When conference play started, the season was lost. The players tuned out. The players played the game because they thought they had a chance. Too many games down the stretch that it was a one, a two, a one to two point game. We couldn't execute a play. You had crucial non-conference losses against Louisiana. You had no business losing to. Then you had the losses to UAB. The first one was a 17 point game. You blew that up. And UAB wins on your home floor. So that is a player's issue. This this is a player's issue, not a coaching issue. Good coaches issue is getting the players to play. Now, it now the the difference between a player's issue getting fired, the getting helping the coach get fired, which I think in this situation it did, versus a coach got fired is because of the record. Coaches, coaches have to understand that their record is valuable, is important. Cause it, it gives you opportunities at more jobs. More jobs, you, 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 you win every season, you'll get that high ranking job. In that mind. Jay Lee did not win every season. She had a few seasons, she had two seasons where she had a great record. The other six were, were just horrible. Like, we weren't invested. One thing I can say about this AD is one thing is that he, he does not play around. He does not play around to the point where we're moving to another conference. We have to change everything. And that he's doing. He changed a football coach. Volleyball, we're, we're good. Soccer, we're, we're always going to be great in soccer. Uh, track and field, I think we'll be fine in track and field. Um, what is it? Basketball, we don't know Grant McCaslin. Grant McCaslin will not be fired. Now, if he takes a tech job, then you got to find a coach that fits that mold in that conference. Just like here in that conference. Uh, you're moving to the American Athletic Conference. You gotta have, find a coach that fits that mold in that conference. That encourages the players to play basketball. That has a different feel in that game. We gotta have, bring the passion back in sports. That's what Grant has brought back in North Texas. North Texas was not passionate for a while. When John Jones left, the passion was lost. When Grant came in, the passion was regained. That's why he's being offered for this job because these these colleges want that passion back. They want that passion back in basketball. Just like in football, we want that passion back in football. We want that passion back in basketball, in women's basketball. 
Because women's basketball, we're not attracting fans. This athletic director is not playing around. He makes moves on the fly. That's what I like. Warren Baker played around. Warren Baker was the athletic director. Jaylee keeps her job. He's playing around. That's why you kept the football coach longer than he, than he should. Seth Luttrell should have been fired a long time ago. Even before 2022 season started, he should have been fired because the team lost interest. When the team loses interest, it's up to the coach to take the blame. It's unfortunate that Jalen Mitchell got fired. It's unfortunate. And, you know, it's hard. But you know what? I think, I think she'll, she'll get back into her feet somewhere. Somewhere. You talk about a coach that has passion but not have the players to invest. That's your coach. Now players have to go, they have to invest in that program. Or else the program doesn't work. That's why you see these NCAA tournament teams. You hear these stories of players investing, staying, sticking around for the new administration. They don't have to do that. That's sacrifice that, that, that they're making. They could have gone and preached their brand elsewhere. That's why the transport portable is so attractive. It's attractive because, uh, because you can get the best players possible. A player can average 10 points a game, but on the new team, they can average 20 points a game. They could. Maybe because of different, well, maybe because of the change of scenery that happened. But nonetheless, this is not an attractive job at all. To me, it's not. Because you got, like I said, you got to find a coach that fits that mold in that conference. And that conference is only, there's only a few. There's only a few coaches in that conference that fit that mold. Now, me personally, I will go after a coach that, that, excuse me, that is in the NCAA tournament. The assistant coaches that are in the, in, that are in the NCAA tournament that have ties to Texas, that played the game. Those are the coaches I will go after. Young, old, whatever. And they, but they're gonna have that, they have to have that passion though. Eric Morris is a passionate head coach. That's why North Texas went ahead and hired him. I would have gone with Ryan Walters. Ryan Walters is a passionate African-American head coach. I would have gone that route. But then again, I'm not North Texas. I don't, I would have gone with Grant McCaslin. Grant McCaslin is a head, passionate head coach. UCLA's head coach, the women's head coach. I can't, I don't know her name. Passionate head coach. Don Staley is a passionate head coach. I want a passionate head coach to coach this team. I want myself to coach the team. I know the plays. I know the plays. I invest in that program. I know what that program means. They're not doing it to bring in seats. They're doing it to be relevant in the conference again. We are going to be relevant in Conference USA. That's the easiest conference in the world. Florida Atlantic won because it was their year. It was their year. Now you can say North Texas don't know why they didn't make the tournament. You can say numbers, but they didn't win their conference. So, with that being said, everyone, um, 
I just want a passionate coach, whether it's myself or whether it's somebody out there. It doesn't take much to get this job. It doesn't. You gotta have players that invest and hold them accountable. You gotta have, you gotta win the fan base back. I think that's what she was lacking and she needed a lot of help in those areas. Jaylee did. She needed a lot of help in winning the fans back. Having fans invest not only in the men's program, but in the women's program. We gotta have them back. UNT's changing. For the better. I love it. Finally now, they'll be nationally recognized as they should. As they should. Alright guys, so that is our show. Now next week, we're still gonna recap, recap, and hopefully Gabe will be here next week. Um, we'll recap the NCAA tournament on men's and women's side. Maybe we'll have some final four picks. And, uh, we're gonna talk about the NBA stuff was, yeah, hopefully the Mavericks made a change. If not, then we're still gonna bash them and any other stuff that pops into my mind that we will talk about next week. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening in and watching in to Beyond the Game podcast. More is coming. Best believe more is coming, guys. Stay tuned. It's Fishbowl Raiders Beyond the Game. Thank you guys for watching and listening. And take care, everyone. Time is precious, I look at my cardio, yeah, y'all can control. Just like my mind where I'm going, no women, the shorties, no nothing, my clothes. No stopping at my Pirelli's on. Unlike my jewelry, that's always on. I know the storm is coming, my pockets keep telling me it's gonna shower. Call up my homies, it's on and popping the night, cause it's meant to be hours. We keep a fade away, shot, cause we ballin' this button up, patron every hour. Look, mama, how you just like the flowers? Tell you the truth with all that goodies.